Welcome to the Food Freedom Fertility Podcast. Here, we discuss the challenging, rewarding, and life-changing process of recovering your period and finding freedom with food and exercise. Whether you're hoping to regain your cycle to get your health back on track, or you're ready to become a mama, this podcast is for you. While the recovery process isn't always rainbows and butterflies, it's my hope to bring you both information and inspiration during your own recovery journey. I'm your host, registered dietitian and fellow HA woman, Lindsay Lawson. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Food Freedom Fertility Podcast, HA Recovery and Beyond. I am super excited to bring on our guest today, Jess. Jess Hodge is a wife, mom of two with one on the way and a recent graduate of the Nutritional Therapy Association program. After years of being on hormonal birth control, restricting her food intake, over-exercising, and trying to control her body, she went off the pill when her and her husband were ready to grow their family, and her period never showed up. Those next years were spent misdiagnosed with PCOS, jumping into medications to conceive, and fighting all of the ups and downs of infertility and cycle health. Through her experience of diving in to heal her hormones and her body, Jess is now a nutritional therapy practitioner who feels passionate about helping women find food and freedom with exercise so that they can recover and regulate their cycles, optimize their fertility and conceive and conceive naturally. Welcome Jess. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, absolutely. I know your story is going to resonate with like so many people because the misdiagnosis with PCOS is just so common. And so could you share a little bit about like your story with period loss? Like when did you realize, was it, it wasn't until you came off the pill that you realized your period was missing or did you know deep down that this like might be a problem for you? When did, when did all of this like come to fruition? Oh yeah. I had no idea that during that almost decade of taking hormonal birth control, I was getting the synthetic bleed and I had no idea that that's what was happening. No idea about cycle health. So when I went off the pill about a year after we got married, so that was in 2015, kept waiting month after month, period never came, period never came. Six months after that, I finally, they're like, okay, yes, come in my doctors. Let's see you and just see if there's any testing we can do. And I basically checked two out of the three boxes for PCOS. And so I was sent home saying I had PCOS and I'd never heard about it. So I just, I didn't really question it. Um, No, there was no question about any other sort of health history, this whole like diet, nutrition, Mm -hmm. lifestyle habits or anything like that. And PCOS is common, so. right just kind of doing my own Google searches of PCOS. I was like, okay, we're going to work with this. We're going to kind of just deal with the cards we've been dealt and keep our heads up. Yeah. Yeah. And so PCOS is way more complicated too. Like it's a serious hormonal condition that I don't wish upon anybody. And then it wasn't until let's see, March of 2021. So just over a year yeah. that I naturally got my period. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, that was six years, but I didn't spend six years trying to recover my period. Okay. I spent like those years. I just want to conceive. So okay. help me <laughs> give me whatever I need to do 
to take medication, to get my period going. I really honestly thought I, my body was just broken and I don't have a period. That's what I thought. Yeah. I think that that's what a lot of women think probably both with, uh, PCOS who aren't like actually maybe addressing some lifestyle factors that could give them a more regular cycle. And also women with HA <laughs> PCOS was like diagnosis because you're doing all the right things for PCOS, but because that's not your actual problem, your period never comes back. So what was it like trying to conceive with, you know, air quotes, PCOS, um, like, what was your fertility journey like with your, with your first uh, pregnancy? Yeah. So it was, I mean, it was just up and down because I was trying to conceive without having a period. Yeah. <laughs> so for a while it just wasn't happening. And cause you know, they're just gonna, it's kind of like a slow journey. I think my journey kind of was like every three months we try something new, which I appreciated because you do need to let your body kind of get used to what might be changing. And so first it was like, well, let's just keep waiting. And then after that, we'll stimulate your period. And so I took Provera and it didn't work the first time. And then by the third round, I did get my period. And then it was like, okay, but still not pregnant. Let's start you on letrozole, pretty similar to Clomid. Let's stimulate ovulation. And it took three rounds of Provera and letrozole to conceive my son, our firstborn Caden. And it's like, I don't regret it at all. Such a gift. Um, but still had no understanding that I could support my body in other ways rather than taking medication. Yeah. So after that, you know, he turned a year and we were ready to start again. And I just started with Provera right away got my period and got pregnant that cycle, but we miscarried and then spent a year after that still on medication, trying to conceive and eventually did conceive just took a little bit longer with our second than with our first. And after I had Josie, who's now two, so she was born in 2020, something, something just clicked. Like I decided, I don't know if it's just being more mature or like access to more information on Instagram too. And like Mm -hmm. seeing stuff about hormonal health and cycles and finally learning about HA because that did not happen until less than two years ago. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to try to get my period. I'm going to see if this can happen before I wasn't like, you know, I'm not anti don't use medication. Cause mm. I mean, we have two healthy kids that wouldn't be here at this time frame, at least. Um, and so I started really digging in to research, um, talking to people and I just came across an NTP on Instagram. I had like some connections with, uh, like one of my husband's cousins knew her personally. One of my really good friends knew her. So, you know, you just like find these people and it clicks and it feels yeah. like I trust her. <laughs> I want to work with her. Yeah. And I think that's also the beauty of just working with someone. You just like, it just feels right. Even though there's so many people out there, your gut just kind of knows. Yeah. And so I contacted her and I just went through her kind of what she provided and her protocol. I'd never even heard of a nutritional therapy practitioner, but I really aligned with it just with my desire for nutrition. And 
I kind of went in with this idea of like, I'm going to do what she says and I'm going to commit to it. And it was solely based off of lifestyle changes and nutrition changes. And I got my period within three months. That's amazing. So for those unfamiliar, can you explain what an NTP nutritional therapy practitioner is and what they do? Yeah. So the NTA has a 10 month online program that you can take. And at the end of it, when you graduate, which our graduation is in like a week, basically done, you become a nutritional therapy practitioner and it's utilizing food and nutrients and mineral balances and lifestyle changes and kind of sticking to foundations of health to support whatever someone's health goal is. So like the business opportunities or goals for what a practitioner wants to do or who they want to work with is endless. You kind of find your niche. A lot of it has to do with, you know, what you're passionate about your own story. And then whether you run your own business online, see people Mm one-on-one in person, um, partner with a practitioner who already does something, you can kind of decide how you want to help people, but awesome. So yeah. did this, so did your, the NTP you worked with, did she like diagnose, or I don't know if you guys can diagnose, but did she like lead you to the path to realize you had HA or how did you like recognize that that was like your problem? Right. We do not diagnose or treat, um, symptoms or what people might be going through. So it really kind of was based off of, I like, I told her I have PCOS and I know you have a lot of knowledge on PCOS. So we went in being like, yeah, just has PCOS, but you can still reverse it and work with it. Right. Let's, let's do our best. Right. And, you know, she brought up like amenorrhea and kind of what that is, but I truthfully, I don't know if you might be like your page, Lindsay might be the page that was like, Oh my gosh. When you have posts of like PCOS versus HA and like yeah. what the differences are. Cause I mean, you probably remember I messaged you way back when just in your DMs. We did, yeah. We did connect a while back. Yeah. <laughs> like I was asking you for some insight on a few things and you, I think you sent me that download by no period, uh, no no period now what? Yeah. The PCOS versus HA. Yeah. So yeah, if somebody's unfamiliar, uh, DM me on Instagram and I will send it to you. It's a great resource, but yeah, it's a side-by-side of, um, I think it's mainly labs, um, which can be helpful, but also too, I think, and, and you know, this now too, I'm sure looking at labs is I think sometimes looking at labs can also make things more confusing. So like lifestyle factors are usually like kind of the, where the rubber meets the road on what's what. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of, I think that's, I was diagnosed with PCOS because I had a missing period and I had cystic ovaries. Yeah. And so when I was like, my blood work is pretty much fine and a little on the lower ends. Yeah. HA. Um, it was just like a huge light bulb moment. And then not to mention, which I haven't even, I mean, it was mentioned in the, um, beginning introduction, but like I spent maybe five to six years under eating, (laughs) restricting food and having that connection in my, and knowing in my gut, like even if I wasn't on hormonal birth control that whole time, there would have been a really good chance. I probably would have lost my period because of 
yeah. the stress I was putting it through. During those five to six years when you were now, you know, hindsight's always 2020, right? We're looking back, I was exercising too much. I wasn't eating enough. But during that time period, do you felt like, is that how you felt? Like, did you feel like you were restricting too much? Did you feel like you were pushing your body too hard? Or were you like, I'm healthy. Look at me. I was healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I was totally like, I know what healthy means. And it means being thin and avoiding junk food, avoiding, um, anything that wasn't whatever I came up in my bubble of clean eating and what seemed perfect to me, like that was the epitome of health. And I mean, I essentially like cut calories in half and I doubled my exercise and it's just crazy to think about and like where it stemmed from. I don't even know. I have ideas, you know, like where we try to gain that control and when and why it might happen. But in the midst of it, I, it wasn't till the end that I was like, I'm go. this is not how I'm supposed to live. I felt like, okay, I think I'm chained to food and this is not fun, but it took a very long time to get there. Cause it, for a while I was in control and I felt good about being thin. And then eventually I kind of like lost that, um, that control. And I'd go through like the binge, you know, at night because I wasn't eating enough. Yeah. I was like, why can't I, why don't I have that control anymore? Why am I not disciplined enough? And that's when I started to be like, something's <laughs> I'm mentally not right with food and my yeah. body. And I think that that's really frustrating for someone who feels like they have a lot of control and then their body fights back and they experience the binging because then the binging drives further restriction. So then it's just this like vicious cycle of over and undernourishing your body. And each time it gets a little bit worse and worse and worse. So was that when you reached out to your NTP friend or when did you realize something had to change? Yeah, I think. I started to heal my relationship with food before, but it was kind of just like by the grace of God that it started because I think it started once I got pregnant with Caden, I think there was like a release of like, I'm not going to restrict food. I know you're not supposed to do that during pregnancy. So I'm going to chill. And I think I just felt some freedom with that, with like, once my body did get pregnant, which is I'm so thankful for, cause I know it can be opposite for a lot of, right. Women. Right. Yes. I definitely heard the opposite, but yeah. Yeah. So I feel so thankful that that's kind of how it started with me. Um, and so I, it was, it's just been a slow journey of finding the freedom. I never, I would, I kind of label myself as having disordered eating. I wasn't ever clinically diagnosed with an eating disorder. It runs in my family. So I knew kind of like it could get serious. Um, but I was also pretty vocal about it with friends and just my community and family. And I think you're probably aware too, that in and of itself just helps so much. Just yeah, so social support is huge. You know, even though it wasn't a full-blown eating disorder, disordered eating and all of these, you know, exercise addiction, those types of things really do thrive in isolation. So the fact that you were able to um, open up to people, I'm sure was very pivotal in, in healing And so I think you already said this, but once you really started, you know, working with a professional and addressing kind of the root cause of your missing period, how long did it take you to get your period back? About three months, which 
Was it like regular right away or did you kind of go through some? I went through pretty like what you share a lot. It was a long cycle, but they did keep getting shorter and shorter. They're pretty heavy cycles, um, but I was confirming ovulation and I think, and you asked this earlier, but yeah, the reason I reached out to finally get support was because I was like, there is more of a root cause going on. There isn't just like, you know, these women don't get their periods for this reason or whatever. It's like, no, your body, your body knows what to do. We have this innate wisdom to cycle and be fertile. So that was, that's kind of the NTA approach is like root cause healing. So that's where I felt pretty connected to her. And then ironically too, I was, I, I do love to run. Haven't ran in a long time, but I was training for a marathon while I signed up to work with her. Uh-huh. And I was like, I knew I, I wanted to stop so badly because I just had this mental shift of like, what am I doing? I just want to get a period, but I'm also pretty competitive and I'm not going to stop. Right. I know I paid for the race too. And I had a big goal, but and she was like, it is an uphill climb. And I still, when I remember her saying that, I m- remember being like, no, like running doesn't have to do with it. That's just like what everybody says so that it's, you know, one more thing that you have to let go of. <laughs> <laughs> and ironically after, I, and I did get my period while I was training, but ironically, once the race was done and I was happy to just like say, okay, I'm not going to exercise for several weeks is what I told myself. That's the cycle I got pregnant. (laughs) And like, it was a much shorter cycle, much healthier. And it's just, that was my, my aha moment of like, there's so many other stressors that we need to address with AJ. Yeah. Why do you think the running was the hardest thing for you to let go of? One, I truly do enjoy it. So it it brings me joy. Um, And then I think a lot of it is because I had this idea that no matter what exercise you're doing, if you eat enough, you're fine. But that I I don't think that that's true because Mm -hmm. of it it depends. It's bio-individual. It just depends. Yeah. And, And my history was like, I spent almost six years five to six years under eating. That's a lot to compensate for. And that's a lot to like reteach my body that it's safe and that it can cycle and to turn on my hypothalamus again. And even if you are eating thousands and thousands of calories, yes, it's helpful for sure. And you're probably going to train better and feel better and sleep better. But sometimes your body is our bodies are smarter than we think. And it knows like, yeah, thank you for that food. But you are still forcing me to be very stressed out when you wake up at four 30 in the morning to run 12 plus miles. (laughs) And even if you eat a big breakfast after, you know, it's just, you, you gotta address all the stressors. Yeah. And I love to like that point about like, yeah, you were able to get your period back, but it wasn't until you, gave yourself some rest that your body said, okay, we are ready to make a baby. So your third pregnancy, you're not pregnant, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, so your third pregnancy is a natural pregnancy. Is that right? Or or did you do any treatment? 
That is correct. So, so I did, I got pregnant shortly after the marathon. Um, actually it was a few, it was a couple months after, um, and we miscarried unfortunately. And so that was, that was a hard thing to go through mentally too. Cause I was like, so pumped that I went, I, my body was working. I put in the work and then that was just such a humbling reminder of like, I still am not in control. Mm. And there's not like this perfect formula of you ha- eat this and this is going to work, right. do this and you'll have a healthy pregnancy. Right. So that was, it was good for me to fight through because I was after that miscarriage, I was digging for like, what am I doing wrong? What specific nutrient am I missing? And th- you know, this and this. And I was like, hold on, that's just stressing me out. <laughs> it all goes back to stress. Uh, and then on my second cycle, I mean, I got my period. I think I ovulated a week after my DNC and I was ecstatic. I was so happy. I couldn't believe it because here I was thinking, you know, you just start to doubt, like, am I even going to get my period again? Or how long is it going to take? Sure. Because it's even after a miscarriage, it can be normal to not have a period for up to about six, uh, six weeks. Oh, so totally. yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, I do attribute a lot of that to, I didn't exercise. I didn't jump into, okay, well, I'm still going to like do this for my mental health and start jogging and start lifting. Not that you can't, but I just, with my history, I was like, I'm going to try to stay as calm and in a rested state as possible. And I ate as nourishing as I could and enjoyed food and tried to just go have some fun with my family. And I didn't prioritize working out. And I think that that helped me get my cycle back sooner. Yeah, that's incredible. And I always explain to my clients too, that while of course it's important to lower the stress levels and stress hormones to be able to get your period back and get pregnant, but also too, when someone is dealing with a history of HA, there's always like some sort of somewhere on the spectrum exercise addiction. And so for someone to fully heal and get to a place of balance, like that rest is necessary. Like being able to give yourself permission to not have to go for a run or permission to not have to do that high intensity workout is so pivotal in just helping you to bring things back into balance when maybe you've spent five years exercising for three hours a day. Like we're going to have to like put, bring the pendulum back to the middle at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I remember because exercise is good. We know that that it's so it is beneficial. And I remember when I decided to like, just really cut back, it was harder at first mentally to let go of that. It was a little more like stressful. Cause I was thinking about, Oh my gosh, I'm, I haven't worked out in several days, whatever X, Y, Z. And then all of a sudden it flipped. And I was like, I am so less stressed mm. because I'm not making my workout like a priority of the day. I mean, I just, I can tell I'm so much healthier. I don't have to get my workout in when we go on vacation. I don't have to do it because I had a huge dinner the night before. I mean, life is so much better with both food and exercise freedom. And lowering that stress alone can probably be like a game changer in someone's fertility journey. Don't you think? Yes, totally. So awesome. And so how's pregnancy been for you so far? Are you, you're in your third trimester. Is that right? 
Yes. So I'm almost 32 weeks, which is crazy. Um, it's been amazing. I mean, I honestly, it's, so it's going to be our third kid and physically I I'm not having aches and pains or anything. And I just, the, the fatigue is starting to kick in a little bit. And my first trimesters are, have all been pretty similar where symptoms start around seven or eight weeks, have nausea, have some fatigue, but by 12 weeks, I feel pretty solid. Yeah. That's nice. That's like a textbook pregnancy. I'm thankful. And so with, with your history, your PCOS diagnosis and working with your doctor, like when you got pregnant with this third baby, like what was your doctor's reaction? Well, it's, I mean, it'd be hard to say because I switched providers. Okay. So I, you know, who knows? I, yeah. it, that would be a really good conversation to have. And so I, I kind of wish I could have had that, but she doesn't with your, with your new provider. I'm just curious. Um, has there been a conversation about your history of HA? Does your, does your new practitioner recognize that as a diagnosis or have y'all even gone there? We haven't, we haven't gone there. I work with, uh, the midwives that are here at the university hospital. Uh-huh. And so our, yeah, I never really brought it up because I don't know if I just was like, that's in the past I've yeah. conceived <laughs> naturally, yeah. like let's move forward. Um, I think if, if they would have asked, I totally would have said something. I remember very vividly when we were going through our second miscarriage, just last fall, one of the, the provider who I saw, cause it's, since it's a university, I see, you can see a lot of people. It's not yeah. like you always will see the same. Yeah. Exact that's great. I kind of like that care plan. That's cool. Yeah. So she, um, she, she like looked at my history. She's like, I see you do have a history of PCOS. And you know, if it takes you a while to get your period back, we can put you on the pill. And I just was like, I didn't even say anything. Yeah. I was like, I'm not having this conversation right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, especially cause it was like, you know, I was still mentally mm. not doing very well, yeah. but I was like, that's almost comical, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but such like the standard of treatment in like Western medicine is, you know, a lot of people go to school to study medicine. And so when they see a health problem will arise, they're, they're going to treat it with medicine. You know, they're not taught any differently, um, which is very differently than what like dietitians and NTPs do. So, um, it's good that we have this space. Yeah. So what would be your advice though, to somebody who, like really resonates with your story and has the PCOS diagnosis and, but also is like, maybe it's HA. Like what would be your advice to somebody who is questioning their PCOS diagnosis? Yeah, that's a good question. I would do some internal work and reflect on how your relationship with your food and body and exercise is. I feel like you just kind of know if you if it's something you think about all the time, if you restrict food, if you work out for reasons that probably aren't the healthiest, I would consider that. Um, cause we know it's not just, you know, I think for the longest time, it's pretty stereotypical that people think, oh, it means it's just women who have eating disorders or women who are right. thin right. or the BMI is X yeah. and that's not the case. 
So kind of going internal and reflecting on that relationship. And then I honestly would recommend that download that you, Mm -hmm. you gave me. So, um, and probably I haven't read it yet. It's on my uh, list of books to read is no period. Now what? So yeah, diving into that, um, and not being afraid to bring it up also to your provider at your next appointment and saying, Hey, I've recently learned about HA. Is there anything else you can tell me about it? Do you think it's possible? And just having a conversation. hundred percent because any good provider is going to dig deeper and ask questions and listen to their patient. Yeah. I know that even though my OBGYN never diagnosed me with HA, she was always very receptive to things that I would bring to her attention. Like, oh, like the only time I ever had a period was when I was not running. So maybe I should try that to bring my period back before we do fertility treatment yes, you should try that. You know, like I think any good provider is going to be receptive to something that their patient is telling them that they know internally is not right with their body. Right. Totally. Yeah. I was told I had skinny PCOS and yeah. <laughs> a horrible diagnosis. Uh, official it, name. It seriously is. So, and that's, I, I haven't actually been clinically diagnosed with HA. I have well, a lot of people aren't like, I would say over half the people I work with kind of come to this self-diagnosis, um, because of the things that you already brought up when, when a lot of people think about HA, they think about anorexia, they think about, um, Olympic level athletes, they think about eating disorders. And so unless like any of that is like staring you in the face in your medical chart, like a doctor is probably not going to pick up on that. And because weight bias is very real, even if someone has eating disorder in their history, a lot of doctors are going to look them up and down and be like, well, you don't look like you have HA. So that's not you. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely really tricky. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little bit more about, you know, you went through this health journey and this is like my favorite thing about like, like people's like journey and them and that, that like struggle leading them to being able to help others. So tell us more about what you do as an NTP, who you help and like, what's kind of your whole philosophy for healing hormones, getting periods back, et cetera. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's exciting to think about because now I, now that school is done and like, you know, it seems like the hard work is put aside. Actually, I feel like now is when the work begins and I dive into (laughs) starting a business. So as far as like, yeah, I kind of talked on it a little bit, why I did this program and why I'm doing this in general is totally based off of how passionate I feel about healing from my type of story and how it is possible going from having terrible restrictive eating habits and feeling stuck with food, thinking, you know, what's really healthy because you fight, you follow diet culture and then to doing a lot of the opposite things. So that's kind of what <laughs> we learned <laughs> at NPA is a lot of like, they, they call it kind of like ancestral eating, like going back to like, no, actually dairy is really good for you. And if, if you're having an intolerance, there are ways to combat that. That's also a root issue. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, you know, all these different tips and tricks with nutrition, but I just going through having no period for so long to like, I just made some changes nutritionally and mentally 
and with lifestyle. And here I am with a baby that we conceived naturally. And I want to help women with that. So, and I've always also loved, I have always loved nutrition in some capacity. It it started out in not the right realm, controlling, kind of being obsessed with like health and always cooking healthy recipes and healthifying all these desserts. And now it's been totally redeemed to like, well, I want to teach women what it really means to nourish their bodies. So as far as who I'm going to help, it's kind, it's pretty probably similar to your clientele. I would love to help women find food and exercise freedom and recover their periods or regulate them to, we know that having a cycle is so important for health for so many other reasons, rather than just trying to have babies. Right. And so optimizing fertility for, for just longevity, but also to help women conceive naturally and to just trust and believe in their bodies again and have that vitality of health and know that they're not stuck in whatever type of food habits or diet restrictive habits or health symptoms that they think they're stuck in. Yeah. It's just such a need because so many women go to their physicians and they are given the option of fertility treatment when in reality, there's lots of other things that you can do through nutrition and lifestyle factors. It's not always just about the food, um, that can really, really transform your life. And I also love what you said about like teaching women to nourish their bodies, because from a very young age, a lot of us are told that healthy means being skinny and being skinny means restricting. And that actually couldn't be further from the truth. And so nourishing your body is very different than being on a diet or being skinny. So I I appreciate you bringing that up. If somebody is listening to this and they're struggling with period loss today, what would be your top three tips? Like what have you learned in your schooling and what have you experienced personally? Like top three things that would be game changers in helping someone get their period back. Yeah. Oh, top three is hard, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because there are different approaches you can take to it, you know? So I think starting with reducing stress, which is an umbrella of a lot of things, right? But reducing stress, and that can look like what we've talked about with exercise. That can look like um, not forcing your body to wake up at four in the morning to get that workout in and just doing it later in the day. Like there's also different s- speeds at which you can reduce stress. Um, other areas of stressors can be undernourishing your body, um, processed foods. Like it's kind of, there's a lot, there's a lot of ways to reduce stress. And that's also the kind of caveat with it is we're always going to experience stressors in life because speaking of processed foods, you also don't want to go crazy and get like super hung up on, Oh my gosh, I just had something that was in a box and now you're stressed about it. So how you respond to stress is really important too. And so I think with that is the mental healing that's going to come with trying to recover your period, like the mental side of it, of trusting your body, believing in your body. And if you can't do it on your own, getting support is huge. Yeah. Whether you, you know, find a practitioner or a dietitian, or you do group coaching or go get counseling, 
some sort of support is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And then as far as like, you know, through schooling, what maybe foundation do I think is the most helpful? I would probably start with, uh, balancing blood sugar. And a lot of that has to do with teaching your hypothalamus to respond to your, you know, it's the whole HPA axis of like responding to what's happening in your body when you eat food and your blood sugar is constantly on this roller coaster. And if you're not, if it kind of comes down to under fueling, if you're under fueling, Mm -hmm. then things are just firing off in your body. And a lot of stress is starting to accumulate and adrenals are getting called on way more than they need to be. And then you just get depleted in so many areas and you might not notice it because adrenaline kicks in. I mean, it's a great part about how we function as a human. It's like we can survive on little fuel or in stressful situations because that's how we're supposed to, we're supposed to stay alive, but our reproduction gets turned off. Right. Right. We can survive, but it's not optimal. Right. Yep. Exactly. So those are just a few things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with all of that. I mean, I think the stress component is huge. It's huge because it is like, kind of like when I explain like what HA is, it is kind of like the third tier it's, 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 you know, not enough food it's over-exercise and then it's also stress. But what people forget about when we talk about stress is two big sources of stress are underfueling and over-exercising. So it like all kind of goes round and round and round, but those are amazing, amazing tips. Anything else that you would leave with a listener today who is struggling with period loss or infertility, any like words of wisdom, maybe if somebody's even doubting, like kind of like you had talked about, like what if I just never get a period? Like, that's what my doctor said. Maybe that's just how my body is. Like, what would you say back to that? Yeah, that's exactly where I would go. I would say your body's not broken and your body can ovulate and you can get a period. You, it's just going to take work and it's going to take time. And everyone's time frame is so different too, which is, can make it really challenging. Um, but just that encouragement piece of like, yeah, if, if you put in the work and you believe it, a lot of it has to do with also believing in your own body and trusting your body and being willing to make changes because obviously whatever's happening isn't working, you know, whatever (laughs) habits are happening or exercise habits, something has to change. And so you have to give up that, whether it's control or whatever it is, giving that up and just believing that it can happen. Oh, I love that. The mindset piece, like just manifesting. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Jess, for your time today. We are excited for you to become a mom of three and probably sooner than later. Ah. Um, We wish you safe and healthy delivery and thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. If you found this episode to be inspiring or helpful, please share on social media and tag me at food.freedom.fertility. Also, don't forget to leave a rating and a review. 